Welcome to Bookish History, a young adult podcast hosted by young adults. I'm Ames. And I'm Anna. And today is Chapter 2, Once Upon a Broken Heart by Stephanie Garber. That's right, guys. Today is going to be a fantasy episode by me, Anna. How far would you go for Happily Ever After? Okay, Once Upon a Broken Heart is about a girl named Evangeline Fox. Evangeline is a kind-hearted, emotion-driven person. She believes heavily in fairy tales and true love. Air quotes around true love. Yeah. <laughs> Appearance-wise, she has long rose gold hair, so pink hair, and gray eyes. She pretty much looks like a storybook princess. Evangeline is pretty smart. She tends to catch on to things pretty fast. So far, those are her good qualities. As for the bad ones, sometimes she can be way too trusting and a bit naive. What do you think, James? I have to definitely agree about the her being way too trusting part because that creates a lot of issues in the novel as we will discuss. Yes, so about the book. At the beginning of the novel, Evangeline meets the Prince of Hearts in his church after going there in a last-minute attempt to stop the wedding of her stepsister Marisol. She finds herself striking a deal with him, owing him three kisses for which he'll choose the time and the person in return for him stopping the wedding. After the bargain is complete and Evangeline returns home, she finds the entire wedding reception turned to statues. Over <laughs> the gasp, just gasp. Um, overcome with guilt, Evangeline drinks a magical potion to free the wedding guests, and in turn, she becomes stone herself. Ooh, yeah. Uh, she stays in this state for six weeks until a fate. Fates are magic beings who are trapped in a deck of cards. For example, Jax is a fate. They're kind of like immortal. Yeah. God, almost like, like gods or demigods, kind yeah, of. Yeah, they remind me of mythology gods. Mm-hmm. Um, by, so she's rescued by a fate named Poison, um, who releases her from the stone. (laughs) After she transforms out of stone, Evangeline realizes that she has become some sort of celebrity, with many suitors coming after her with a wish for marriage. Later, Evangeline is invited by the Empress Scarlet to have tea with herself and her sister Donatella. Evangeline accepts the invitation, and Scarlet asks her to, to be her ambassador to the Magnificent North, where she would participate in their traditional event, and I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, but I'm going to pronounce it Noct Neverending. It's not Nox. It's, it's, it's N-O-C-T-E. Sure it's it could be Noct Neverending, but no, I think we it's searched it up, and it definitely But I don't like Noct. saying it like that. <laughs> okay, whatever. It sounds better my way, so I'm saying it that way. Evangeline accepts the invitation on the condition that she can take her stepsister Marisol with her. When Evangeline arrives at the private dinner held by Prince Apollo the night before Knock Never Ending, she is surprised to find Jax, the Prince of Hearts, there as well. He has concealed his true identity and is pretending to be another young, insolent aristocrat named Lord Jax. He has changed his hair to a striking shade of dark blue and has become a close friend of Prince Apollo. Rumors say that he's recovering from a great heartbreak and that he's been exiled to the north after getting in trouble with a princess from the south, referring to Princess Donatella. Princess Donatella is from Caravelle, if you didn't know. Yeah. Which is the series before Once Upon a Broken Heart. Go read that if you haven't already. (laughs) But you don't have to read it in order to read Once Upon a Broken Heart. It's Mm -hmm. just occasionally the characters in that are mentioned, so it would be helpful. Yeah. Anyways, Evangeline realizes that Jax has set her up, and she really did not like that at all. But she's um, supposed to be the ambassador um, for the Meridian Empire to meet Prince Apollo. Yeah. All right. Spo- <laughs> yeah. Spoiler so, zone, guys. That was just a little quick about for people who haven't read it yet. And if you haven't read it yet, go read it. And 
if you haven't read it yet, then goodbye. Please don't keep listening. <laughs> or do if you don't really care about yeah. spoilers. Okay. So, let's talk about Jax. <laughs> yes. Jax. Okay, I know this is controversial, but I really do not like Jax. Uh, his character development took way too long, in my opinion, and he can overall be a jerk sometimes. Um, for example, during the beginning of the book, he, like, the very first minute he meets Evangeline, he mocks her and says that her speech was really pathetic right after Evangeline had come to his church and asked um, for his help in her time of need. And then the dastardly fate did as she asked and stopped the wedding, but he turned everyone to stone. I guess it is kind of Evangeline's fault because she knew not to trust him, yet she still did and ended up sacrificing herself for the people that were turned into stone by Jax because of her. Mm-hmm. Maybe Jax doesn't mean to be a jerk, but he said he was doing her a favor. But his smirk seemed to suggest otherwise. Either way, Jax is always causing trouble one way or another. <laughs> what do you think about this, Ames? Oh, I have a lot of thoughts, and you're wrong. So, jeez. <laughs> oh, okay, I'll say he's not the best person or character ever, but he, at least in my opinion, has a reason for being so petty. First of all, he's lived for hundreds of years with a curse. He's kind of old. He's an old man, yeah, actually. A curse. <laughs> he looks like a teenager, but he's like yeah. hundreds of years old. Kind of weird if you gap, think about it. The age whatever. <laughs> he, everyone he kisses dies if they're not his one true love. And he found or his so one he true. Yeah, he found. <laughs> hey, I haven't read the second, but he has found his one true love, Donatella, in the Caraval, Caraval series. Caraval. I say Caraval. I say Caraval. (laughs) (laughs) But whatever. And she is obviously not with him. So for all he knows, he will be alone forever and ever and ever because fates do not die. So I would also be kind of a jerk if I was in that situation. (laughs) He's just grumpy because because of that. (laughs) Because if there's no hope for him being happy, like... Find your own happiness. I don't know. He doesn't need to be with, like, his one true love to be happy, though. He just can't really kiss anyone that he would would fall in love with, you know? But also, (laughs) if you had to live forever, I'd get sick of it at some point. Yeah. Okay, but either way, he's always causing trouble, and he's always doing things for his own selfish gain. Like, literally like over 50 percent of the time he never justifies or condones his actions but he tries to explain them he told tella if you remember tellus from caravel again oh he stopped her heart and threatened legend um wow did you guys hear that thunder (laughs) (laughs) that that just um distracted me a little bit but in caravel he stopped uh, not evangeline tella's heart and threatened legend um that he'd kill her if he didn't get his powers back but he confessed that he wasn't actually going to kill her and never wanted to harm her and said that he's he's a villain even in his own story sad kind of sad but sometimes he deserves it okay sometimes he deserves it in the beginning of once upon a broken heart Jax is yet again careless and rude to evangeline um charming not charming (laughs) he was a jerk to her the first minute he met her in the first part, which uh, we already know what happens. I definitely don't think Jax is the one for Evangeline. She deserves so much better, but I still feel like I can see That's where he's coming from. <laughs> but yeah, he's usually so when he first met her, he was like really moody and like 
pulled, you know, because yeah. he just got rejected by Tella, which he kind of... His one true love. He kind life. of deserved it, to be honest, because he, when he first met Tella in Caravelle, he tried to push her out of a carriage. Charming. Very charming, you know. <laughs> and then he was mocking her and being a jerk again. I don't really remember much of the Caraval series, so... But, I mean, I can imagine him doing that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, opinion time. Well, a bit of my opinion. So, I enjoyed this for the most part, though. I was just cruising along until the moment where Jax is like, Yeah, go kiss Apollo or you're gonna die. <laughs> um... From then on, I was mostly in it for the interactions between Jax and Evangeline because his character um, changed her innocent nature and always made for an interesting dynamic. Um, from the halfway point on, I was pretty much invested in the plot as the pacing got more jam-packed. Yeah. Now, enough about Jax. Um, what about Luke? His name is spelled L-U-C. I think it's Luke, but Ames I think disagrees. it's Luck, and I'm probably wrong because I'm luck. always wrong about <laughs> pronouncing things. Like, I was wrong about the knocked and mm. never-ending. We Googled it. I embarrassed myself, but it's okay. <laughs> okay, so Luke, he has... We're calling him Luke, and if I'm wrong, you can feel free to let me know, but, um... So pretty much, he has a carefree personality. He enjoys intent. He enjoys attention and is always teasing and entertaining people. He's the only son of a wealthy upper class family in Valenda. We're calling it Valenda. I think it's Valenda or Valenda. Yeah. I don't know. So many hard things to pronounce in this episode. <laughs> His family lives on the fashionable far edge of the town. Luke and Evangeline have been secretly dating for two weeks. I really can't believe she did all of that for someone she's been seeing for two weeks. I'm like, pretty sure it's two weeks. Correct me if I'm wrong. That doesn't seem right to me. Like, I thought it was two years or something. I don't think it was two years. That would be like a long 17 time. 17 or something. Uh, yeah, but however, um, after, well, during that two weeks, like nearing then, Luke and Marisol, Evangeline's stepsister, um, announce that they're engaged to be married. This leads to a confused and devastated Evangeline to find prince of hearts church so she goes and talks to Jax for some reason i don't know what led her to do that but she just decided like oh hey my sister is getting married to the boy i love so maybe we should talk to um the world's massivest jerk yeah <laughs> because someone else told me to for some reason i don't know where she got that idea from but as a result of their bargain Jax turns the rest of them to stone as we already know and evangeline being the main character that she is so kind and sweet she feels guilty and immediately regrets um, asking Jax to stop the wedding, and she takes their places as Stone. Yeah. Um, when Luke and Marisol try to get married a second time, two weeks after their disastrous first attempt, Luke is attacked by a wild wolf and badly mauled. In the weeks since, he hasn't left his house and refused to see Marisol. He sends her a note telling her that he's left Val Valenda. We're calling it Valenda. Valenda. Okay. <laughs> In hopes of finding a healer, but plans to return to Marisol. When Evangeline and Jax are leaving Chaos's lair, which is a character that, um... Well, this is the, po the spoiler oh, zone, vampire. so you would already know that. Okay. He's, remember, he's the vampire. Um, I don't need to explain, because if you're in this zone, you should already know who that is. Yeah. <clears throat> a voice calls out to Evangeline, and it's Luke. He is one of... He's in one of the hanging cages. He's a changeling, a.k.a. a vampire. In, like, <laughs> a, vampire. a vampire who... <laughs> is not a vampire yet but just got bitten and if yeah. he escapes and bites a mortal then he will become a full-fledged <laughs> vampire just for a little background yeah so he told um evangeline the truth about what happened marisol put him under the curse of a love spell he didn't know this until he'd be until he'd been bitten and the vampire venom removed it 
He had come to Evangeline's house to see her, but Marisol opened the door. When she took his coat, her fingers touched his neck, and he was immediately under the curse. Which, usually, I mean, it's kind of weird, because, like, she can just, like, touch him and he's immediately under the spell. Love spell, because yeah. usually it's, like, food-related or something. You know, like, yeah. they eat, like, something, and then they're immediately under the spell. Or they drink something. But, apparently, that's just how it happened. She's just special like that. She's special like that. <laughs> but... <laughs> I, um, we're gonna talk about later some of Marisol's... Marisol or Marisol. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, your bird is so loud. I know, now. apologies for the bird in the background. I have a bird. He is the guest star. His name is Olive. Um, okay, well, we're not sure because they don't tell you when you get a bird whether it's a boy or a girl, but his or her, whatever name, uh, is Olive. So, guest star in the back. <laughs> Who was totally cool, calm, and collective during our first recording, where we recorded the whole entire episode, and then Anna <laughs> had a little accident deletion. Yeah. Uh, so we have already recorded this episode, and yeah. I deleted it by accident. My bad, guys. <laughs> My yeah. bad. I'm not allowed yeah. to touch the delete mm-hmm. button anymore. Um, Man, off limits. Button. It was an accident, I swear. I'm so sorry. <laughs> But anyways, um, right after Marisol had um, put Luke under the love spell, he became obsessed with having Marisol and proposed to her. After being mauled by the wolf, Luke felt like he needed to be perfect for her because of the spell. He came to the vampires because he heard that the vampire venom was the most powerful healer in the world, or like antidote, I guess. And um, he thought it would erase the scars and wounds. Evangeline, again, feels guilty for her part in what has led Luke to becoming a vampire, so she gave him a sword to break free from his cage. He promised her that he wouldn't bite her, but he is, of course, lying. Mm-hmm. Kind of, um, not cool, Luke. Yeah. I feel like once he became a vampire, he was kind of a jerk after that. I mean, I don't even... Book two, which you haven't read yet, so you don't know. <laughs> I feel like this is, like, she tries so hard to be with Luke, but then they don't really give any reasons why. Like, they give reasons, yeah. but they're not really... They don't justify her actions. I think I it was like. because in the beginning when I think it was her dad died oh, and she became yeah. an orphan, he was comforting her. And that was like special to her. So she and I think yeah. he was she was also or he was also her first kiss, I think. So that's why she was like her first love. Her first love, first kiss, first special mm-hmm. person, I guess. <laughs> I, Very special to her. I feel like for, throughout the whole book, Evangeline is just so like willing to believe and trust people because she's an orphan she doesn't have yeah. really anyone so she'll almost believe anything to have someone that loves her or which mm-hmm. is why i feel like she gives luke so many chances and marisol so many yeah. chances even when it's obvious they're bad <laughs> yeah so right after he breaks free from his cage he immediately, um, right after promising that he won't, goes to bite Evangeline, and Jax shoves her out of the way, which leads Luke to biting him instead. Jax breaks Luke's neck, but because, um, he's a- he's okay, guys. Uh, he's a full-fledged vampire, he's not dead, and will wake up healed. Anyways, um, here are a couple quotes of our favorite quotes. My favorite one, um, even though it's from my least favorite character, is from Jax. Um, heroes don't get happy endings, they give them to other people. Is that really what you want? When (laughs) she was saying that she wanted to sacrifice herself to turn everyone else back into 
human from Stone. Yeah, at the very beginning, which I think it just had so much, um, that quote just... Foreshadows. Foreshadowing. <laughs> from experience. Yeah. Almost. All right, Ames, go ahead. My quote, it's a little longer, but it's at the end of the book, and it is by Evangeline. She cried once more for Apollo. She cried with relief that she was alive, and she cried for Tiberius, not for the part of him that had tried to kill her, but for the part of him that had killed his brother by mistake. She didn't know what it was like to have any siblings, and given all that had happened between her and Marisol, she doubted that she would ever understand. But if Angeline understood how it felt to lose family, and she could not fathom being responsible for that loss. This quote, I feel like, provides a lot of background for a lot of decisions she Mm -hmm. made throughout the book, because it's (laughs) just because she's alone, and she doesn't want to be alone. And I wonder if that's why she took, um, part of why she took Marisol to the Magnificent North with her. Yeah. Maybe it's because, one, because she was feeling guilty, and two, maybe because she didn't want to be alone. Yeah. And we were going to talk about Marisol's motives a little bit. Yeah. So. Okay, well, Marisol, so, Evangeline just trusted her so much not to hurt her, but then Marisol completely, like, backstabs her in the book. Where she poisons, or doesn't poison, but she curses her, Evangeline's true love into loving her instead, taking away luck from Evangeline. Luke! (laughs) I think it's Luke. Whatever. But but it's because her mother, Marisol's mother, um, always put so much pressure on her to get married and be perfect, you know, like, to attract suitors in. But nobody has ever really paid attention to Marisol. And she I feel like she was kind of desperate because her mom was just, like, relentlessly pounding her down to get mm-hmm. married and nobody wanted her. So she cursed Luke into marrying her. Yes. Like, well, she was jealous. It was like, like, well, because you know that your, your um, stepsister, who cares about you a lot... But out of, like, jealousy, you go and steal the person that you know she loves. I feel like they don't really have a super great relationship throughout Mm -hmm. the book, but there's definitely room for improvement. Mm -hmm. They could have had a great sisterly bond. You know, Evangeline was way too gullible and all she... And trusting. And Marisol was way too good of a liar. (laughs) Or maybe she wasn't actually that great of a liar, just... Evangeline was just really gullible. Maybe it was because Evangeline, like, felt, um... Alone. Very alone. Also, maybe because she felt bad, um, of how Marisol's mother treated Marisol, so... She just kind of overlooked all of the things that, like, mm-hmm. clue could have been a clue to what Marisol yeah. was planning. Because she didn't want to see them. Yeah, but she just also, didn't want to see the... Like, Evangeline's parents yeah. are both dead, but at least she had good parents. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know which is worth. Oh, she says in the book, she says, um, in one of the parts where she was suspicious of Marisol, she was like saying how she felt lucky because her parents always taught her to, like... All the things that her parents taught her built her up. Like, they kept her going. Like, that's how she's always so kind and trusting. But then, versus um, Marisol's mother, who's always putting Marisol down, and she just felt really 
bad about that but does not excuse her trashy behavior well anyways guys so if sorry the audio sounds kind of choppy because the microphone we're using died so it kind of just cut off mid-sentence it's okay it's fine so anna would you say our readers should read rent or run once upon a broken heart just since this is the first, my first time using this system, um, the system is called Read, Rent, or Run. I've created, I believe it's an original thing, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, but correct me if I'm wrong. So, read means, like, go read it. I think you need to own this book. It's just that good. Like, you won't want to put it You'll, down. you like, reread it, so buy it. Yes. Okay, and then rent is borrow it from someone else like it's okay but i like i think you should read it but it's not like so good that you need to own it mm-hmm. and the final one is run pretty obvious it's so bad that you need to get away from it run yes i don't think i will ever use run on any of them because i usually tend to enjoy a lot of books yeah and if you're doing an episode on it it's not going to be one you hate although that yeah. would be an interesting episode maybe it's just a warning then. yeah okay so I would say you guys should totally read this one. This is one of my favorites. The characters and just like everything about this book, it was amazing. I've reread it like at least twice. I've only read it once, but it was really good. And Stephanie Garber has a way of language. Mm-hmm. Her descriptions of like Evangeline's dresses and the scenery is just so beautiful. So yeah. buy it. It's like, the way that she describes everything, it's like, it's not words anymore. When I'm reading, I feel like I'm there, you know, like, like in the book. In my ears. In my eyes. In your brain. (laughs) Yes. Okay, so that's it for today's episode. Apologies for the terrible audio. The world was against us today. I accidentally, well, this one was my bad. When I meant to delete um, an accidental, like, thing that we recorded um, when we made a mistake, I clicked delete on a different one. I think we already yeah told them about i think we already that. told them that well sorry we're a little see, scattered yeah range. we're a little scattered now because of how this um recording has been going but the recorder also died so then the yeah. audio was kind of mixed we up. just gotta go bake a cake guys yeah, okay we gotta, we gotta go, go. <laughs> yeah we gotta go thank you for joining us on this episode of bookish, bookish history. history and tune in next episode for a history with story. ames yep that's ames Wait, this is... <laughs>